and welcome to the Unmodeled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens, and I'm the founder and CEO of Unmodeled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview our Unmodeled Attorneys, as well as the leading experts in the industry, to identify the best practices for converting leads into paying clients, and how to ethically and profitably deliver unbundled legal services and other affordable options in your practice. To learn more about how our exclusive unbundled leads can help you grow your practice, visit our website at unbundledattorney.com. All right, welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. I'm here with Lee Vernon, who is one of our Unbundled Attorneys out of San Diego, California, providing family law services. And we've got uh, a good solid year, I think, working together so yeah, far. Yeah, Yeah. And uh, he's been doing a really good job serving the clients we send him in San Diego. And really excited just to have an opportunity to unpack the saga that has been uh, our relationship and, and the growth of your firm ever since we started working together. So thanks, Dave. Just really happy to be here with a nice, beautiful view of right. San Diego behind us. And can't complain. Yeah, man. This is a, just a terrible, terrible office you have here. So <laughs> right. it's a horrible really, space. Yeah, really happy to be here. So thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you guys as well. Yeah. So maybe a good place to start is just give a, give us a little bit of background on how you get your start in the practice of law, sure. uh, and maybe share just a little bit about uh, the legal incubator that. Uh, you were a part of that. Sure, of course. Up and running. So yeah, that's, that's a good segue, Dave. So I started off uh, right out the gate after I passed the bar. So I started practicing law basically in January of 2015. And so my law school, Thomas Jefferson School of Law, has a solo incubator program. Basically, it's just uh, in a nutshell, it's a wonderful program that allows you know, younger attorneys or even attorneys who have a little bit of experience to have some great resources to be able to go out and hang their own shingle, you know, and open their own solo law practice. Mm -hmm. And so one of the benefits to to the program was I was able to have a a very seasoned civil litigation attorney who is also a law professor mentor myself and some of my cohorts in the solo practice incubator program. Hmm. And that really allowed me to, you know, start off and, and even take some cases that I may not have been able to take hmm. in the beginning because I quite frankly wouldn't have had even the resources to do so. Like both financially and also from an experience standpoint or a little bit of both, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I was able to have, you know, some guidance and from a seasoned trial attorney to be able to take a trial very early on in my case. And it would have been difficult to do so had I not had had the advice and guidance of a very experienced attorney. And uh, also, just as important, the incubator program allowed us to have a, a very affordable office mm-hmm. space. So, Great place just to have a place to work, bring clients, uh, without having to have you know, a lot of overhead to get the start. Right? Exactly. Right. Because that, that's one thing that I learned early on. You have to keep your overhead low because mm-hmm. as you're building your brand, your reputation, your business you don't have the financial resources unless you have a rich aunt or uncle who can you know, pay thousands of dollars to give you a beautiful office space. So it was nice to be able to focus on practicing law and building up my business and not worrying about how am I gonna pay my rent mm-hmm. you know, for the office space. Yeah, and similarly, if you're working at a legal incubator, I'm assuming there were a lot of other attorneys you're working with that are part of the program and then you're able to have kind of a collaboration exactly. working together between exactly. other attorneys that are new. And yeah, and thanks for reminding me of that, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget because it's been a couple of years, but that was also a wonderful part of the incubator program. You know, just having, even though some of the attorneys were newer attorneys, maybe had only been practicing one to two years, just to have someone who had a little more experience or even mm-hmm. somebody who was at the same level to be able to say, hey, here's what I see in the case based on the facts you're representing this is, you know, why don't you try this or, you know, try this angle from a legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that was a wonderful resource to have because, you know, had I just hung out my own shingle, open, you know, a law office somewhere in downtown San Diego and not had the mentorship, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would have taken me quite a bit longer to, you know, to build up a, a profitable practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things we're really focused on, especially recently is uh, starting to build community. Sure. And getting you in touch with you know, ourselves, this is part of the reason why we're doing the video podcast and so that we have an opportunity to meet in person and uh, get to know each other. But also um, with the retreat we have coming up in March and some of the things we're going to be launching in the retreat, having you an opportunity to get to know some of the other attorneys in the network, share ideas, get input, um, talk about some of the the technology you're using or whatever it is that would be of benefit that other lawyers have implemented in their practice and having that, that kind of mastermind 
concept of everyone sharing ideas for the betterment of everyone involved. Certainly. Right. And so it's really cool to hear that the incubator had that same type of characteristic. Right. In which, you know, everyone's kind of working together, you know, cooperatively so you can share resources and, you know, I'm assuming be all become better attorneys as a result. Right, exactly. It just makes you, you know, more well-rounded in your practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting to hear about a lot of the incubators that have been opening up all across the country, and there's quite a few of them. Um, right. Last time we checked the directory, um, there's a resource directory of legal incubators, which we can link to in the podcast show notes. Uh, I'll make a note of that. Um, one of the things that these incubators have been working on is educating attorneys on how to offer unbundled legal services profitably sure. in their practice. We're going to be doing a presentation up there tomorrow. Um, do you see that as a, as, a, as, a, you know, as a good potential vehicle for educating a new generation of attorneys that you know, may be able to embrace you know, limited scope and, and working with people? I really kind of do. And Dave, I actually have, uh, early on in one of my cases, I have a, a good um, case example. When I first started my practice, I did a lot of research before linking up with you guys at Unbundled into the Unbundled or Limited Scope representation. And so I found that a lot of older experienced attorneys don't even understand the Limited Scope Unbundled option. Mm -hmm. And so I had a case where I was helping a client who didn't have a lot of money, but the client had enough money to pay me to handle a couple steps of the case. And I remember the attorney actually on the other side threatened me with reporting me to the state bar for providing unbundled legal services, mm -hmm. and I had to basically nicely tell him, you don't really know what you're talking about. I actually did research on limited scope unbundled services, and you can offer them in a family law case. Sorry you've not experienced this yet. Mm -hmm. And so I wholeheartedly believe that it's, it, it is a great, um, unbundled services are, would be a great way to link up with new attorneys mm -hmm. to teach them that option from a business standpoint because I think a lot of attorneys are really missing out by refusing or not even considering offering unbundled services because, you know, quite frankly, if somebody can pay you even for a couple hours of your time, that's that's money you would have never earned, mm -hmm. you know, as a business per person from a business standpoint. So, yeah, I believe that, you know, 100% and believe wholeheartedly that having the unbundled cooperative, you know, some type of program mm -hmm. with incubators throughout the country would help, you know, both unbundled and new attorneys continue to be successful. Mm -hmm. In your perspective, why do you why do you think so many lawyers haven't implemented these? Because it, it, it seems like such common sense. And we talk right. on the podcast all the time, how well attorneys are doing and offering this and being able to break things down limits the the uh, accounts receivable to basically zero. Right. The clients really appreciate it because it's so much more affordable and everyone else is getting turned away. But so it really just seems like it makes a lot of sense, but there seems to be some misconceptions or misinformation or misunderstandings right. around the ethic ethical nature or the efficacy of right. these options. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, you know, with other attorneys maybe you've talked to about it and they just, you know, what what is the, the objection, like why? I think a lot of it is, especially with maybe the older attorneys, they, I think they become so used to saying, hey, I have this experience and I'm above handling mm. a matter where somebody walks in my door and says I only have $500. Mm -hmm. Because they're not looking at that $500 potential client from the unbundled standpoint, right? Yes. They're looking at that from, well, my minimum retainer in a family law matter is $5,000. Yes. And you're coming in with 10% of my minimum retainer. I don't want to talk to you. That's right. Whereas yeah. if, you know, they could easily have, especially at a larger firm, a junior associate do the unbundled work mm -hmm. at two, maybe perhaps 250 an hour, mm -hmm. that's $500 that the firm would have, you know, never earned prior to doing so, and going back to your point, you, they don't have to worry about an outstanding invoice. Yes. You take the $500, you do two hours of work, you draft your contract as such with the client, mm -hmm. and you're done. That's right. And so I think, to answer your question, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the greed, the ego that, mm -hmm. you know, that we see with attorneys. Yeah. It's, That's been a really consistent um, kind of flavor, or, or, or like, it's almost like that sec they feel like it's second rate. Exactly. Or like something like that, or, or maybe they believe they're not going to make money doing that. Um, and so it's one of the things that, you know, this is the purpose behind what, this podcast is starting to educate and build awareness around how effective it can be to deliver on model services and how profitable it can be as well. Sure. So maybe um, we could just talk about um, how you transitioned to starting on bundled services. I don't sure. know if you, how you got exposed to it, if it was through us or you know other other educational programs, or you just started doing it on your own or whatnot. It might have been through Marlene. I'm not sure. Sure. Maybe you could talk about that, and then also just 
you know, how that's uh, helped you develop your, your of course as a result? So yeah, it, it's an interesting question, Dave. Basically, I I fell into Unbundled and early on in in my career with my practice from just doing research on the limited scope representation and seeing, you know, hey. Right now, I'm a new attorney, so I have a lot of folks coming to me from even legal clinics. They don't have $5,000 retainers. Yes. And so I had, you know, I had, I had done the research and had kind of done a little bit of legwork to build up not even a full-blown business plan, but I knew I wanted to incorporate limited scope or unbundled services into my practice. Mm-hmm. And so my very first law web or law firm website actually does talk a lot about limited scope representation. Hmm. I didn't really know how to effectively market it though. And so I was just kind of, I would offer that to clients or potential clients who would come to me, you know, through different referral sources and say, you know, hey, I, I have a thousand dollars, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would kind of break that down and say, hey, here's my hourly rate, here's how many billable hours I could offer you, that's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But I had no, you know, no true sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I first learned about Unbundled an attorney who was was formerly an unbundled client in San Diego, I was doing some contract work for her on a case by case basis, mm-hmm. yeah. just kind of, you know trying to build my business and learn some things. And I found out that she was using unbundled, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. right, and so I actually called Graham one day mm-hmm. and said, you know, hey, I'm Lee Vernon, I'm an, a new family law attorney. I really think you know what Unbuddled is doing is cool, and I've seen it work really well for my colleague Marlene. Mm-hmm. And you know, Graham unfortunately couldn't sign me up because Unbundled is a great lead generation service. It's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful, and and so that stuck out in my mind because most other services who try to link you up with new clients, they will call your phone time and time again after you reach out to them. And you know, I kind of wondered, hey, you know, there's something to Unbundled. It worked for Marlene. And they're not able to sign me up right now. This this has to be a very legitimate service. Yeah, and so unfortunately, yeah. right. And unfortunately, you know, some things happened to to the former attorney, Marlene, and she wasn't able to continue with Unbundled. And Graham called me up one day and said, "Hey, remember me? We have a spot open in San Diego. Do you yeah. want to take it?" And you know, there was no question. Yeah. So that answer being yes, and so I was able to sign up as you know with unbundled and I you know it's it's been wonderful mm-hmm. and so Since when you were working with Marlene because she was doing a lot of unbundled services as well so you were getting some experience for the way that she was offering that in her practice and so by when by the right. time the leads became available um, when she was when she transitioned out um, you kind of already had some experience working with her as a contract lawyer right to be able to start you know delivering it in your own practice from exactly there. Mm-hmm. and so I unfortunately wasn't able to you know dive super deep into the unbundled process mm-hmm. but i saw just you know from the outside looking in hey mm-hmm. this works because 99% of her clients were coming through unbundled mm-hmm. and she was very busy yes so. yeah she she was very busy for a very long time uh, and it was unfortunate what happened to her partner um, exactly but so and how did you originally start researching limited scope. Was that shared with you in law school? or Because obviously yeah. you've got a lot of clients coming to you, don't have 5,000. Most people, most lawyers would think, then you get no help, right? But you were like, how do I help this person? Limited scope. Like, how did, right. how did you make that connection originally? So a, a lot of it, the, the seed for that, you know, the limited scope idea was planted by uh, Lilise McCoy. And so she is actually, she runs the Center for Solo Practitioners, and I, I can put you in touch with her, that's mm-hmm. no problem. But she is an outstanding attorney. She has you know, decades of experience in civil litigation. And right now, she's a, a full-time law professor at Thomas Jefferson School of Law mm-hmm. just down the street you know, mm-hmm. here in San Diego. And so on top of running the solo practice incubator program that we spoke about a few moments ago, she also teaches a few solo practice-centric or centered courses at Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a law school student, I took one of her solo practice courses and she talked a lot about the limited scope representation option. Mm. Okay. And so that really planted the seed. And so it was just, you know, kind of a natural progression to, you know, when I was finally linked up with you guys yep. to, you know, really having some good resources from Unbundled to show, you know, here's okay, you know how to practice law, you're an attorney, yep. but you also, you know, you need to look at, you know, the limited scope unbundled option mm-hmm. from a business standpoint. Yes. And that's something that unbundled really helped me with 
in terms of you know realizing, all right, you do need a process. Mm -hmm. You can't just, it's wonderful to have the idea of, okay, I'm gonna offer unbundled representation for somebody who may only have $1,000 maximum to go towards legal fees, yes. but how do I, you know, how do I get those people in the door? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, I had that big disconnect. I had, the seed was planted to, you know, early on in, in, my, in my career Like conceptually, right. then it's like the practical application Right. How and do doing you do that effectively it? and efficiently and conveying that to the client, educating on those options and figuring out how to limit the scope, you know, properly with that client exactly. based on their budget, based on what they need help with. What kind of options can you offer? Can you do it as a flat rate? Do you do it as an hour by hour? I mean, there really is a whole business model around exactly. what appears to be a very simple concept, right? Right. Yeah. So I would love to unpack that in just a second. You know, some of the things that you've had to learn how to do to impact that we either, you know, educated you on or something like that sure. so we can start to unpack that. Uh, but one of the things that, um, to circle back on, uh, there was another point. Um, oh, yeah, I think so. Your point about the law school and it being taught in law school was right. actually where you got exposed to limited scope. Right. I mean, that, we've had a lot of conversations with like Forrest Mostyn, who's the sure. like father of unbundling. He's a adjunct professor at the uh, UCLA. Right, I've heard of him. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really solid guy. Very passionate about this industry and, and, and how unbundling legal services can impact access to justice across the United States. And Certainly. we've talked a lot about like, okay, how do we instill limited scope and unbundled services into a much broader range of attorneys or at least a new generation of lawyers. Right. And so the conversation has really been around um, law schools. Right. You know, and how we can get you know, professors and, and get this taught as a course or even as a segment of a course minimum. Right. Um, that this is available. This is something that is broadly applicable in the way the marketplace is nowadays. Exactly. It, very different from what it was 20 years ago. Right. Um, and so it's really cool and really great to hear that that was the seed um, that kind of got you started in, in, in starting to offer these services or at least have the idea and the concept, which then evolved once obviously we started working together and, right. and then you know, launched into the business. So um, for anyone out there that's watching this video that um, is involved with law schools or um, you know, has any influence or, 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 or um, can further help the possibility of getting unbundled services taught in law schools, um, we're more than happy to support uh, with sharing information, tactics, uh, process, whatever it might be, that could be helpful for um, implementing these types of courses into law schools, because uh, we do feel like that's uh, just such a really important aspect sure. of, of, of educating uh, this next generation of attorneys that could really have an impact on access to justice if exactly. they only knew how to do it. Right. right? So let, let's get into how you do it, right? Because it's the one concept, yes, you can limit the scope of the involvement and only do specific read upon tasks. Great, I just read that on the Wikipedia, and so I understand that concept now. So now how do we implement that into our practice effectively? So there's right. some specific things all the way from, you know, when you first talk to the client, how you do that consultation, and the different service options you might offer. Uh, maybe you can start with, you know, some of the things you've learned uh, as far as that process as you described, sure. that's helped you be effective at actually delivering the services to your clients. Sure. And, and I think Dave, one of the biggest things that Unbundled taught me, you know, from, from the get-go is it, it's easy to engage with the potential client, but it's also easy to maybe spend too much time on the phone with a client or mm -hmm. you have to find the happy medium not spending enough time. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I really like about the Unbundled, you know, process is, you know, you guys teach us as attorneys how to you know, from the get-go when you make that first contact with the client, how to tactfully, you know, kind of segue your conversation into, hey, I offer unbundled services. Mm -hmm. I also offer full representation, but also without maybe forcing somebody or making a potential client feel like you only want to offer them unbundled That's services. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you're only interested in full representation. Mm -hmm. Full-blown representation, you know, with the larger retainers. So, you know, I know for me, the, just the guidance that, that you guys have set up to be able to say, okay, you know, these are the, the key points that you need, you know, you need to hit on mm -hmm. when you're talking to somebody who's a, a prospective client and, you know, you're, you're able to help me, you know, see things from a, more of a business standpoint because, mm -hmm. you know, of course, as, as an attorney, I care about all my cases, mm -hmm. but I also have to make money. I can't pay my bills. You know, I can't save for my family's future. So I really like how... The, the process basically allows you to 
feel comfortable you know, in, in saying, okay, I'm going to offer this unbundled service, mm-hmm. but how do I present this to the client without you know, being off-putting or you know, sounding maybe even egotistical when I bring up the full representation option? Hmm. So I really like how you guys have, you know, have trained me to, from the bus- not, or, you know, rather not to the business, but from the business perspective or standpoint, just how to make that initial contact. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you make the, the initial, initial qualifying script, exactly. Yep, the okay. qualifying script was so helpful mm-hmm. in, in keeping, you know, kind of setting a roadmap, right, mm-hmm. to say, okay, you know, I need to not be on the phone too long with this person, mm-hmm. but, you know, also not be on the phone for too short of a period of time right. yeah. to be off-putting. And so by following the script, I was able to, you know, see... A, a huge increase because when I first started, you know, I, I kind of tried to do my own thing. I'll admit that, yeah. right? Graham knows this. <laughs> and so, you know, I was kind of just talking to people. The and, blah, blah, you know, approach. Right. Exactly. Blah, 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 blah. Want to sign up? And, right. And so then, you know, when, when we kind of looked back at, okay, Graham, you know, Graham and I touched base. How'd the first month go? I'm like, oh, well, shoot. I don't know. Right. I'm, you know, I'm kind of working on, you know, trying to bring some of these people in. So then, you know, Graham did a good job of coaching me through things and saying, okay, look, you're, you're a good attorney, but we're going we're gonna to highlight the business side of things here. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Are you mm-hmm. following the script? No, I wasn't, right? And mm-hmm. so we had a great heart-to-heart. And it, you know, it was wonderful, though, because it was great constructive you know, feedback and criticism. And so I found that once I started following the script and you know, finding that happy medium, because it's not, it's not ever, I don't want to put a time limit, but I would say... Mm-hmm. 10 minutes or less, I try to, you know, I try to do most of my initial contacts in 10 minutes or less and get the person to come into the office. Yes. Because if they can meet me in person, you know, I say, you know, follow the script, but then we talk about, all right, bring your paperwork, bring your court documents. Mm-hmm. If you have an open case or if you have previously, you know, filed a case and you have court orders. Mm-hmm. And so I found that by following the script, getting people in the door. Yes. Most people will will hire me for some type of service, mm-hmm. and it can yeah. it's everything from folks who start out with just the unbundled option, mm-hmm. maybe a couple hours of my billable time. I have had plenty of cases turn into people who hire me to handle maybe not their full case, but mm-hmm. one or more difficult court hearings, mm-hmm. and it, it turns into a very you know a, a very good paying client. Right. So and so originally, were you spending a lot more time on the phone? And they were and like trying to get them to make a decision. So, so, exactly. so, so if I were to guess, you would have had maybe only a small fraction of people actually coming in the office, but almost every one of those was retaining you. But then there were a bunch that were exactly. just like not coming and not retaining. Right. So like you had a really you were batting really high percentage of those that came in the office, but just right. not a lot were coming in the office because you're having a longer call. Uh, addressing their needs, giving them advice, and so we're spending. So maybe you can draw the contrast between the two approaches. Right, exactly, and yeah, and it's that's a good point, Dave, because I noticed, you know, for the folks that I found that happy medium and just, mm-hmm. you know, had the conversation and said, hey, you know, not when can you come in? I have two appointment slots available. Mm-hmm. Which one of those spots would you like? Yes, you know, you get them to come in, mm-hmm. and I found that the majority of those people, high percentages, you know, at least seventy percent. Mm-hmm. of the people who actually come into my office would hire me yeah. for some type of service versus the folks that I would stay on the phone with for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, some of it was, you know, someone who wasn't ready to hire an attorney yet or someone, sometimes, you know, you get people who just, they just don't know, you know, they yeah. they made contact, but maybe, maybe they're serious. Maybe they're not serious about hiring an attorney, but I found that Regardless of what the person's you know intent or background was, the people that I didn't bring into the office, you know, you're almost your percentage is almost zero mm-hmm. in getting yeah. those people to come in. You know, there are a few exceptions. I've had folks who are from out of state who mm-hmm. really can't come in. Yep. But you know, I could do like a Google Duo video chat or mm-hmm. you know a Skype video chat with those folks. And so yeah, but with with the exception of the outliers for people who are not actually in San Diego but have a case for one reason or another mm-hmm. here in San Diego, yeah, it's pretty much a zero percent success rate on people that you don't at least get to come in for for an in seat appointment. Yeah, there's been some lawyers that have had a lot of success in other regions and rolling clients over the phone. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they cover like a broader region. And like, sure. for example, in the Bay Area, right? Like Zoe Garvin's had a lot of success in rolling clients over the phone there because they're in San Francisco, she's in Oakland. They're like, man, that's going to be about a 30 to 40 minute right. drive, even just across the bridge, right? right? Even if their case is there, 
it's just a lot of commuting. Whereas in San Diego, it seems like it's a pretty tight city, right? Like people right. get around pretty easily. The traffic isn't nearly as bad as you know LA or exactly. San Francisco. So not even close. Yeah, and so even just LA County, for example, it could be. 20 minutes across, or it could be two hours, two hours across, across, even exactly. in the same county, right? So um, there are motivating factors in other regions that could lend someone to want to just get signed up over the phone as opposed to sure. just coming right in the office. But in your case, um, it isn't really that prohibitive for people to come right in. And so right, if, exactly. if there's ever a possibility they can just come right in, I don't think there's any better way to you know have clients enroll if they just get a chance to hang out and right, get to exactly. know you in person and, and, see, the view. and see the beautiful view. Right. I mean... I just I stare out that window and just want to sign up. That's why my desk <laughs> faces this way. I, really? I, I so they're all just looking at the view. It's like, wow, this guy's this guy's got mojo. Right. And I'm easily distracted when I'm, you know, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, you just like so, zone out. <laughs> that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for any clients. Watching. Not for my cases. Yeah, that he faces this way. Exactly. Okay. So so you've got the 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 intake call, right? The initial call qualifying. Spending being a little bit more succinct on that one, letting right. them talk for a few minutes, but then starting to ask some very specific questions about their case, what exactly. they're looking to see happen, following some of that, that script outline, letting them know you offer both options and that they can choose, right? Exactly. That, it's, that it puts it in the, the control of the amount of service that the client wants or exactly. needs in their hands. They get to tell you how much service they want and how much they want to start with. Right. right. Do you have some clients that will start with you, you know, just with one specific task and then later on transition to either additional services or full representation? I do. And, and I actually have an ongoing matter where that's happening. The, the clients, uh, it's, it's a divorce case and it is a hotly contested case. Mm-hmm. The case has been going on for years and the client previously had an attorney and realized, you know, they, they didn't have any issue with the work that their previous attorney had done, but that attorney does not offer the unbundled option. Mm-hmm. And so the client realized, I'm gonna have to pay a lot of money, but but found that I can handle some of the aspects of my case on my own. Mm-hmm. And so the, the client found me through unbundled, and their case is getting close to the trial phase. They're, we're working out you know, some of the details. They're probably going to be hiring me to handle a full-blown divorce trial. Right. Dissolution of marriage in California, of course, but divorce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is someone who started off as an unbundled by the hour. And, you know, going back to your point, Dave, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful that you say that. Most people don't even know this as a client, but they're the boss in terms of, you know, what the attorney does and doesn't do. Yes. If I'm the attorney of record, you know, on a case, a client can't tell me, no, don't show up to the court hearing mm-hmm. if there is a scheduled hearing without me formally signing off their case right. and filing the proper paperwork with the court and the opposing party or attorney. But, you know, notwithstanding something like that, the client is always in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And right. so the nice thing about the unbundled option is it puts the client, you know, at, at the, the front, you know, in the front driver's seat. And they can tell you, you know, hey, look, our, and I draft agreements all the time that mm-hmm. expressly state, you know, I will do with, you know, I'm not going to make court appearances under mm-hmm. this agreement unless we have a subsequent written agreement. But otherwise, if they have, let's say, an ongoing divorce case, this dissolution of marriage case is what we call it in California again. Mm-hmm. But if their case is ongoing, they'll pay me just the hourly rate for what they need. That's right. And I'm just kind of on standby. Well, looked at it another way, it actually puts the attorney in the driver's seat as well. Right. Because they get to choose the amount of services they will provide, or at least it's a limit. There's a limit. There's a barrier based upon what the person needs and also their financial budget such that they aren't stuck, you know, providing, you know, full suite of services um, without having a, a very clear knowledge or or being in a position where if the client stops paying, they, they could still exactly. be on the hook for that. And so at the outset, it gives you the flexibility and the control back as well. They get to choose right. and you get to choose, right? Because they can say, well, I only want you for these things. Well, you can decide if you want to do that. Um, if they want more, they can do that. But also you don't have to do more than you know that that client's capable of. Right. It's a, it's a meeting of the minds there. Exactly, and that's a great point because you know also from talking to um, a, a lot of attorney mentors that I've met over the years in the family law realm, outstanding billables become a large problem for them. And if mm-hmm. they were offering unbundled services, they would never even get to that point to where you know they have a client who owes a two thousand dollar bill. Why in the world would you you know from a business perspective, why would you even allow someone to run up that type of bill? 
Right. Right. And it's not, you know, not coming from an egotistical standpoint, but just a, you know, a, a business standpoint as law firms where, you know, for profit entities mm-hmm. and the unbundled option is a great way to continue to be able to provide legal services for folks who may not have tens of thousands of dollars to go towards legal services. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you carefully craft your retainer agreement with the client, you can make it so that going back to your point, mm-hmm. you're not ever having to provide any service without getting paid. Has that been the case for you for the majority of the clients you're working with that you have close to 100% accounts yes. receivable? Yes, Very, within a, a small margin of error, maybe an hour billable outstanding. But I really do not have, yeah, come to think of it, I have no unbundled cases where I really have an outstanding billable at this point in time beyond maybe an hour. Wow. And even those cases were cases where the client and I engaged in a limited scope or unbundled contract to allow for a court appearance. Mm-hmm. And things went over an hour beyond what I anticipated. So right. But it that is, was like the most it possibly could have gone over. It's like, right. well, the court just took a little longer than we thought. Exactly. Right. But it's like it's not going from phase to phase to phase exactly. without having a clear you know, payment and understanding of what's being done at each phase. Right. Because yeah. if you, and especially if you're an, an attorney of record in uh, California Superior Court mm-hmm. and Family Court, for a full-blown representation, mm-hmm. if the client doesn't cooperate with you, you have to actually file a motion to be relieved as counsel. Yes. You pay a fee, you're, and you, know, you have you know, the time in court, the embarrassment of having to you know, drag yourself and your client into court and showing your peers, hey, maybe I'm not managing my business all that well. That's right. So wow. the unbundled option is a great way to alleviate. Well, and this is, this is one of those underlying misunderstandings, I think, as far as the profitability of unbundled services. When you really look at a full service firm, you know, accounts receivable could be maybe at 70% or something exactly. like that. I don't know, you know, what, what your experience is with any, any firms you've worked in the past, but it's not 100%. It's not right. even not close even close to 100%. And so when you look at these, you know, big retainers, it's like a lot less getting collected. So if they're collecting 10,000, that's only 70%. That's really only 7,000 and they're doing a lot of work as well right. that otherwise doesn't get paid. So that's, it's going to hit the bottom line in a big right. way. And so, um, and especially for solo practitioners that have lower overhead and are you know, operating a more lean practice, being able to collect and consistently rely upon having those payments come in without having that, that you know, accounts receivable loss uh, exactly. can be really key to maintain, make sure you're maintaining and growing out you know, a lean and, and profitable sure. practice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a perfect example of having that financial stability from you know, the moment that you know, we, we entered into our agreement with, you know, between Unbundled and myself and mm-hmm. my, my solo firm when I first started out, I had, you know, I had built up my practice to where I had a decent client referral basis, but it, you know, it was a constant struggle. I was, you know, networking, which is still important, mm-hmm. but, you know, I found that, you know, I was a little bit worried, you know, from time to time about, hey, how am I going to continue to bring in new potential clients? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the great thing about Unbundled was, even though some of the folks coming in through the unbundled service may only be able to start off with something like $500, mm-hmm. I am a testament to that being a profitable business model. Hmm. It is. And you know, from the, from the get-go, going back to you know, an early part of our discussion today where we talked about you know, the reason that I think a lot of attorneys or law firms aren't interested in the unbundled option is because of you know, a little bit of greed or just being so set in their ways and saying, hey, I don't even want to talk to someone who only has $500. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the beauty of the unbundled option is you can make, you know, a, a, a very, very, you know, comfortable living mm-hmm. just off of the unbundled services. Mm-hmm. Just because off an hour of the is still an hour, regardless, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and that's, and, that's excluding if you're doing things as flat rate and then having some kind exactly. of economy of scale there. Right. Um, and, and that is the going back to the, the, the flat rate in family law cases, it's difficult to always offer a flat rate option. However, so especially if you do it as the whole thing, whereas exactly. you can do these tasks under flat rate. Right. And I do, you know, I offer flat rates quite often for unbundled services, especially where folks just need me to fill out paperwork. Mm-hmm. If it's in the family court system, I know how to fill out the paperwork and mm-hmm. I know within a reasonable degree of certainty how many hours that should take me. Yeah. So I can offer folks a flat rate and still be profitable because on the unbundled scale, I'm not tied to having to go to court for that flat rate. Right. And so it has been, you know, a, a wonderful, you know, business model on my side of things just in the short time that we've been working together, you know, for about a year. Cool. So what would be really awesome is can we like run some of the numbers 
Like yep. first, like lay out some of the limited scope options that you offer. Sure. Whether it be docking preparation, limited scope, maybe we could do like a few different sure. options. What you might typically charge, and what the, what is the actual amount of time you put into each one? Sure. Like and how you have calculated at least so far, as far as like what your effective hourly rate ends up being, and and some of the systems you have in the back end to speed that up. Sure. But that's that's a much broader topic, but mainly let's lay out some of those options and let's look at the numbers. Sure. Uh, so attorneys can start to understand how they can start to you know like what is the profitability behind some of these these sure. of options. And so probably the most uh, logical way I could go through this Dave would be to go through starting off with maybe like the bare minimum service that I can offer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you know I'll have someone come in and they'll maybe even be on the fence about hiring an attorney and I'll say, you know, hey, I, I you know, I can work with within reason any budget, you know, that mm -hmm. anyone has. You know, we have to be reasonable about what I can offer for that budget. And so for, for the folks who are on the fence or who have very limited means, I will say, hey, how about... Which, a, which, which, by the way, which is key to be able to say. Right. I can, like, I, there's a limit to the amount of service I can provide, but I can work but I can provide service work. within any budget. And people right. go, oh, I bet right. they just, you know, like, you, maybe you say this to some people in person, but I can just imagine their shoulders just relaxing. You're like, okay, right. cool. Like, like this, this is not someone that's just gonna hang up the phone if I don't have five grand to give to them right now or what or right. whatever it might be, right? Like and I'm sure a lot of clients have called them or firms and they finally get to you and you're like, Yeah, we can work within your budget. I mean there's a limit sure. I can do for that, but we can do that. And so in in my experience, I, I've been able to offer even what I would call a one-hour full-blown legal advice session, as little mm -hmm. as that. I've mm -hmm. offered that to to many clients who have actually taken me up on that offer, and I say you know, look, we've had our initial consultation, the free 30-minute consultation. I've taken a, you know, a look at your documents. I have a full understanding of what's going on in your case. Bring a notepad, mm -hmm. right? I, you know, of course, I can't draft a legal memorandum for, for a one-hour session, but I have the client bring a notepad, and we will sit there, and I will just go over, all right, here's step one. Here's mm -hmm. what you need to do. Yep. Here's step two. Mm -hmm. Here's how the process works. And, you know, um, it could be anything from a divorce that involves no children, you know, and somebody might have a question over how, how does the process work with dividing the assets? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of folks who are self-represented, they'll file their, their petition in the family court to ask for divorce, and they don't realize if they need something like temporary spousal support, mm -hmm. they need to file a motion with the court to ask for it. Yes. And so I've been able to help, you know, even people who have very limited means mm -hmm. on that one hour legal advice session, mm -hmm. really, really get a, a sense of direction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, it, some of the folks have turned into, you know, clients who have paid me for subsequent sessions, mm -hmm. and sometimes even for document prep. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I do a lot, a lot of things or a lot of my cases involve child custody disputes. Mm -hmm. And so... If somebody came to me and said, you know, hey, I have, I, I need to, to draft a, a motion to ask to change my custody and visitation mm -hmm. order, Location. right? That's something that, uh, you know, I, I don't typically do it for a, a, a completely set flat fee, but I know within a reasonable de degree of certainty that just a bare bones um, filing the motion and, and drafting a declaration yes. that needs you know, to go with that motion to support it on an easy case, probably start off with a thousand dollars. And a lot of people, if they're very serious about obtaining legal advice and representation, will hire me just to draft their paperwork mm -hmm. for that thousand dollars. And then I'll offer, you know, the option of, hey, keep me posted on your court dates because when somebody files that motion, they'll receive a couple court dates. Mm -hmm. I'd love to work something out with you for further mm -hmm. representation. Sometimes it's just maybe another hour to help them prepare, right? Mm -hmm. At my hourly rate. Or I've had many cases where the client hired me, you know, for that thousand dollar range to help them with the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And I can typically, you know, within reason, unless it's a, there are crazy issues going on in the case and we need to submit a lot of evidence, I can keep that paperwork to within the thousand dollar range mm -hmm. more often than not, just mm -hmm. to help them draft the paperwork. And so sometimes that's turned into the person hiring me and maybe paying me another thousand to go to their court hearing. Mm -hmm. Yep. More like a, as a limited appearance, like right, notice exactly. of limited appearance. Exactly. Which California has the notice forms. of limited yeah. scope, right, mm -hmm. exactly. And, you know, everybody's put on notice that I'm just the attorney of record for mm -hmm. this child custody motion. Mm -hmm. and, and so I've even had cases where I've handled that type of case, and I'm the, the limited scope attorney for the issue of custody and visitation. 
Mm -hmm. but maybe because of the other parent asks for a longer hearing. Mm -hmm. You know, another hearing is scheduled, and more often than, than not, those folks will retain me again to help with the subsequent hearing. Right. Okay, so you've so got so you've got the one hour, one or two or whatever amount of hours right. you need. But like at the bare bones, like at least an hour, you can sit down. I can walk you through things, exactly all the different steps, and you know maybe take a look at what you have, give you some guidance on what needs to be done. Right. Exactly. And that's you know two fifty, three hundred, two hundred. Two seventy five is mm -hmm. is typically my standard hourly rate right now. So uh -huh. I try to you know to find. So you do that do that coaching as an hour by hour. Exactly. Right. So like even if you're on a five thousand hour case, you're still billing at two seventy five an hour. So two and it's one hundred percent receivable. So that's good. Like it's money in the pocket. It's the same hourly rate. Exactly. Um, and the people can come in for a few hundred dollars and and get the guidance they need to get to the next right, step. Right. Exactly. Right. And then they go okay. Well, and then you have the option to offer them the doc the document preparation if you want to have you draft it up. Um, right. And that's really around a thousand dollars. Right. Um, if you look at the economics of that, do you have any kind of document automation? Do you have any a staff member, anyone that helps you with the preparation? So I'm actually working on that right now. So mm -hmm. funny enough, my um, my law clerk has been my wife. Mm -hmm. She's in her last year of law school, so she's kind of helping me set up some systems for. And um, because I started off as a solo practitioner, I have a passion for helping out other solo practitioners. So I'm going to be having law school interns assist me with some of the non-attorney work. Mm -hmm. And that also helps me keep the cost down to the client. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not paying the intern, I'm not going to bill the client for that. Mm. Because that would not be ethical. If I'm doing work on the case, yeah. I bill for it, so it's been a way to help me grow my practice. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, help folks who maybe have a little more limited means mm -hmm. keep more of their money in their pocket to go towards legal advice for me, or, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And That's court right. appearances and things of that nature. So it's it's been a wonderful model, and so so yeah. To be honest, that that has been my you know business model, and I, I'm able to kind of give back to the law school that I went to and law school students who are interested in starting their own firm hmm. and it's it's been would a great you be able to, to mentor and coach them as they're right learning. exactly is it volunteer on their on their case or was this something you could pay them hourly for or so so i do have i have a couple options like um in in the case with my wife she was technically my extern mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it, you know in, in that regard it wasn't ethical to charge because she was getting school credits mm -hmm. so yes. to charge clients and bill them you know for that rate but we are we do actually have a few interns who are law school students who were working out terms of payment so that is another another option that we have hmm. and so as an attorney you you have to bill the amount that you're paying those people to the client no so so the but way that the way that you typically them. write it into the contract and you know every attorney has their own way of doing things but you have an attorney hourly rate mm -hmm. and a law clerk hourly rate mm -hmm. which the law clerk hourly rate for paid law clerks is you know quite frankly much more than the the going wage for a law clerk mm -hmm. because you're really looking more at like the full-time minimum wage rate mm -hmm. for a law clerk starting right. out yeah but you know they're trained they have some experience in the legal system through you know their their law school coursework and contacts and and that's also a good way to help you know keep your clients costs down because you know let's say you can't send a law clerk to make a court appearance mm -hmm. but if it's a financial disclosure document mm -hmm. you can have a law clerk prepare that and as the attorney my I have to do my due diligence and sign off on it right yes yes but so so is there do you see an opportunity so I love the fact that you're working on bringing in Interns and, and you know lower cost people that might be able to help with some of the administrative work, so you could potentially even bring the cost down, or even, or for the appropriate candidate, offer something that might be a lower price. Right, especially if, say it's a thousand dollars. You still can't do that, but maybe they can do five hundred. Okay, so you could offload some of the the doc prep work or some of the administrative work to an intern, right. and, and only need to put an hour or two of your own time to review it, exactly. to get it prepared, and that kind of thing. And so you could offer that as a as kind of a down. down right. Step. Exactly. Yep. And do you also see uh, a possibility of having a, a higher effective hourly rate by still having a flat rate on that? And then you know, having some staff or help with getting things done more efficiently? Or do you feel like it really still, for you personally, because all attorneys do this differently, has to tie into the time they're putting in, has to add up to 275 an hour, whatever the hourly time is sure. that goes into that flat rate? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. and it, it, 
you know, and, and I know that's kind of a confusing an answer, but... Cause, because I, the, right. the flat rate propose, presents the possibility that you could build efficiency and then benefit as an attorney sure. by leveraging software, leveraging other people's efforts, and so forth, so that you're spending less time but still delivering the same product. Right. Which obviously, as, as far as the market's concerned, the client's happy to be able to have access to an attorney that would draft their, you know, their, their documents, their declaration right. for $1,000. So we know that that has a value in itself. Exactly. The question is, does it have to take me 3.35 hours of attorney time to deliver that, which would be at 275 an hour, something like that. Right. Well, if it was possible for once you had systems to do that in half the amount of time, like would you would you feel like you would have to lower the rate, or would it be you would just be able to benefit from that increased efficiency for sure. doing that flat rate more effectively? Right, and and that's a good point, Dave. I think uh, you know realistically from a business standpoint, as long as you're making a profit, it's not that you want to reduce your hourly rate, but let's say. If I had several assistants doing that type of work, and it pushed the you know the true attorney billable so to speak down to two fifty or not two fifty two hundred an hour or one hundred and seventy five an hour, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that mm -hmm. because you're looking at it from a just a strict you know strict numbers perspective, not what's my hourly rate. But I mean, if you think about it, if you could average one hundred and seventy five dollars an hour on a full you know a full workday for one employee. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty darn good money. Yes. If you scale that, so yeah, I would never you know say oh I'm gonna you know make you know that five hundred dollar flat fee job that I could you know do in such an efficient manner using mm -hmm. a you know a well versed extern or intern or law clerk. Mm -hmm. yes. I would never yeah never say don't do that. That would be insane. Well yeah. Well this gets at the uh, the opportunity that I think Unbundled Services presents, and I'm really glad that we're unpacking this because. Um, there's so many clients that would love to have this type of service, right? right. Because 90% of lawyers out there would just turn that client away, as we discussed, right? Right. But there's a, a very high volume of people that are offering these, that need these services at those price points. Um, so you can get a high volume, but it's always been perceived that that's a low value, right? right? Like low profit, low low revenue, right? Right. But if you can look at it from the standpoint, I got a lot of these clients, but you can build efficiency into the model such that you can still get $1,000, but your own personal time might only be an hour or maybe an hour and a half or two hours. Exactly. Looked at it a different way, your effective hourly rate minus what you pay out to your own employees or right. the people that help you might, instead of being, if it was four hours, that would be 275 an hour, you know, three and a half hours, something like that. If your personal time, because you now have leverage, only took maybe an hour or two, now your effective hourly rate of your own personal time just became Four or five hundred dollars an right, hour could be more on that same efficient. document, right? Right. And so, you're in a sense, you've got a high volume of clients, but now you're actually potentially making more money for your time, exactly, by just building efficiency into the each unbundled service. That's a good point. Yeah. So and this is this is what you know. It freaks me out because it's such a massive opportunity for attorney for attorneys to be able to help a lot of people and right. also increase. The, the revenue and the, and the income that they make for every hour in their day if they have some of these efficiencies and some of the, right. the support systems in place that can offload some of that, that work and still you know, do their due diligence to make sure that it's done right, but have some of those things that are more um, that a, someone else, like a helper, could e effectively do. Right. Right. With some, some limited experience because those things are rote tasks, you know, things that can just be done you know, at the same time over and over again. Right, exactly. Have you explored or experimented with offering any form of um, document automation software or using practice management tools or anything to start to streamline the actual you know, capturing of the intake information, maybe offloading the intake to the client to fill out a questionnaire on their own, and then having that implemented into, your, into software or anything? Sure, so I haven't gone as far yet, uh, Dave, as having automated systems for the mm -hmm. client to um, fill out some of their intake information mm -hmm. online. But I do use law practice management software. It's, mm -hmm. it's called My Case, very similar to Clio. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've found that that is a wonderful tool because it, you can, I can set up payments. Mm -hmm. You can send invoices that way. Clients can mm -hmm. you know, pay their first retainer. With the click of a button. With yep. the click of a button. Yep. And so, yes, to answer your question. click a screen on a smartphone. Exactly. And what's wonderful about that particular system is you can share documents. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, you could upload the retainer agreement, and mm -hmm. it's just it's forever there in the cloud. Yes. You don't have to worry about somebody accidentally deleting an email, 
or you know, deleting a file on your computer's hard drive, or even you know, I use a cloud-based backup system. But mm-hmm. I have found that you know, I could do better. You know, to be honest, I'm you know, every day is a learning opportunity, and I learn more and more every day. So I would you know definitely like to move into more of a a, a wholly electronic intake process in mm-hmm. terms of once the the client decides to retain me to say, hey, here, this you're just going to get an email, mm-hmm. right? and you're going to be able to submit all your information via an online forum and you'll give me everything I need. Right, yeah, so, exactly. So that would be one component that I don't yet have, but I have all the other pieces. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see that as something that makes sense for you to, to start exploring, like as far as, because yeah, it, it, I mean, as an entrepreneur in mind, like this is kind of what we talked about earlier was looking at your practice as a business right. first and then as a lawyer second, perhaps. Right. Um, and starting to look at you know how you can build systems of automation and streamlining, you know because that's one of the things about the leads is that it's very consistent types of cases that you're going to see over and over and over again, exactly. specific types of custody cases. So it lends itself well to building systems that can gradually become more and more refined sure. and more and more streamlined. Right. So uh, I can I can just imagine that it would be something that, especially when you're offering flat rates, that like these are the things that like. I get lit up about it. it's like wow you know like what if we could like refine that process just a little bit more and I can either bring the rate down when when necessary for the for the client or I can really see a much exactly. better effective value rate as a result and have a, a great deal of sex financially helping these people right exactly hmm. yeah I think that's a good point because to the extent that you know it, that would actually be a dream system or software for me to be able to say okay new client mm-hmm. you're you're going to receive an email mm-hmm. and you're going to receive a login mm-hmm. and on top of the you know the billing management software and the file management software mm-hmm. to be able to say, hey, you're going to fill out this form. Because mm-hmm. I actually do, I do this in a little bit of an old school way. I send it electronically, but I have a divorce checklist mm-hmm. for new clients. And it helps them, if they fill out the checklist properly, it actually kind of prompts them to attach documentation that I need. Mm-hmm. And I found, you know, even early on in my practice before linking up with you guys, that that was a, a very efficient way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you know, I would be calling the client constantly and saying, well, hey, you gave me your, your bank statements, but you, f- you forgot your credit card statements. Right. And, you know, yeah. I need those. Mm-hmm. And so to have, right, if I were to have a software program, you know, that I could fine tune mm-hmm. to say, hey, th- you know, these are the inputs that I need the, the client to give, that would be, I, I would be able to offer, you know, the type of service that we've just spoken about mm-hmm. in terms of saying, okay, if I could have a staff to push down the price for, let's say somebody needed me to fill out a response to mm-hmm. to a petition for a dissolution of marriage or divorce, that would be a wonderful service to be able to offer because quite frankly, those forms are easy to fill out. Yeah. And even if mistakes are made on them, they can be amended. You know, I help clients do that all the time. So, you know, to, I could even possibly push that down to like four hundred dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking about it from an well, you know, just, if you have scale. that client in front of you that maybe can't do the five, you could do this, right? Like, right. it gives you the option to be able to offer something sure. to those that are less. It just it allows you to to, to help more people, right? Because right. you've built scale, and the people that can't afford the thousand, you can have more margin with, and that gives you more room, you know, to, to provide more service right. to in a more flexible manner for those folks, and it balances out, right? So it can be, it can all be it can be profit and it can also be room to make a difference. You know, having right. that that contribution component, right? Because the, in, right? right, those folks would never be helped otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the room to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is really it's the part that I get most excited about because it's it's the promise of unbundling. Right, is you know everyone always. It seems to me that the only way to get out of this access to justice problem and to resolve it is we can't volunteer our way out of this. Right. You can't have lawyers that are just going like, to volunteer to help the poor, right? Because they have to run a practice too. They have to feed their family. They have right. to run a business, right? And make money, right? And so if there's a way that lawyers can work with those folks that are you know, lower modest means or, or middle income and still make a great profit doing it, then all of a sudden it becomes attractive, right? right. And so it really is, this is the, such the exciting part about this is that lawyers can finally you know, make a big difference, help a lot of people, exactly, and make a great, great income, like like excellent income, perhaps even more than they would otherwise just doing the full representation when you factor in the account receivable exactly. and uh, and the people that just don't pay. And 
um, and just also the liability of having like a few cases versus having a lot of cases and sure you know, that, that type of thing as well. Right, and even uh, piggybacking off of that point, Dave. One one thing, and you know, I never would generalize clients, but sometimes clients who are more wealthy and have more money are more difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and I would never you know just generalize everyone, mm-hmm. but you know, I've, in my experience, sometimes that has been problematic. And I've found that, you know, some of the unbundled clients, because they're so appreciative mm-hmm. to have an attorney who's willing to sit and talk to them, yep. that they're so much easier from an attorney standpoint to manage. Yes. Because, the, like, they weren't necessarily expecting that they'd be able to get that. So they're, you are exceeding their expectations from moment one, right. not only by responding to them, obviously, because you respond so quickly in real time, like, wow, you know, you call me right back. And then you're willing to work with me at any means. I mean, this is amazing, right? This is right. way more than anyone could have expected. And so, you know, they're, they're humbled by that, right? And right. just appreciative of the fact that you're giving them access to a system that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Exactly. Hmm. Mm, it's exciting stuff, man. It really yeah, it is. Really is. Uh, you know, it, it, I just so excited about the future as well. Uh, some of the things that I can see coming online as far as software and systems that are supporting, and some of the practice management software starting to integrate. You know, this type of document automation and, sure. and building these systems out, um, and training this. You know, and sharing these ideas and implementing strategies, just like yourself. Like it's like um, it's a constantly evolving process. Right. right, where you're like gradually improving it over time and adding these new tweaks and so forth. But it's just gonna, it's amazing to think about what's possible in one year, two years, three years from now, especially once right. we can all start sharing these ideas as a community. And you get, you get to meet all the other lawyers and see what their systems are using, what's the technology they've, they've developed, what are the templates they have. And we can work together and actually share all the resources so that we can kind of work together as a cooperative years of experience. Exactly. So we know no one has to reinvent the wheel. Right, right, and if people can get around like a, a unified concept like that, then I don't know, man. It feels to me like access to justice issues may soon be a thing of the past. I agree. Break through some of exactly. these barriers. Just yeah, get, get more attorneys on board, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's really that that simple. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, this has been uh, just an awesome opportunity to really unpack this. I appreciate just yeah, thank you, um, how you've just really broken things down. I think it's really helpful for attorneys to really hear from someone that's been doing it yourself. Um, what it looks like, the types of options they can offer. Um, and I'm sure that we don't even get to cover some of the other things. Sure. Maybe, maybe real briefly, do you want to talk about just about the full representation side where people might make the transition sure. um, and how you do that as, as a pay-as-you-go? Because it's not just unbundled on the limited scope. There's a lot of clients that are retaining you for full representation as well. Exactly. And you're, you're being effective at being able to manage you know, that as well. I mean, this is kind of a misconception too, that if you're doing unbundled services, that is just unbundled, right? There's a lot of lawyers right. that say, well, I only want to do a bundle. I don't want to do court, you know, court work. But, you know, I think every single lawyer in our network that provides, you know, works with an unbundled attorney provides both services, unbundled sure. and court presentation and the court litigation, right? And does it as full rep. So can you talk just briefly about, you know, how the full representations worked for you and how you of might course. structure that with the clients so that for, the, for those that want that? Sure. And I mean, you know, honestly, from a logistics standpoint, it really just comes down to effective time management and effective calendaring. I have really not noticed any inability to properly handle cases where I'm the attorney of record for full representation mm-hmm. because I'm handling unbundled cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, your question is prompted, you know, the first time I've had to even think about that because it's really effectively not an issue with me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really not. So, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, I've had, you know, like we said before, I've had quite a few instances where unbundled clients turn into, you know, full-blown clients mm-hmm. because I've done, you know, I've shown them, hey, I even though I'm only able to do this limited work, I'm going to do the best I can on that one piece. Yes. And then for those people that, that want the full representation, there's also some things that you've been doing, I think, creatively around working with people's budget. Right. In other words, be payment plans or kind of automating. Sure. Do you want to share, share a little bit? Yeah. And, and one thing that I've been able to do, and, it, and it's, again, finding the happy mediums between being a good person, mm-hmm. not being too greedy, but realizing this is a business. Yes. And so one yes. thing that I can do with payment plans is, you know, I've had quite a few clients who... You know, let's say they they were able to give me a, a several thousand dollar retainer to start, mm-hmm. and you know maybe they had a, a custody issue that was hotly contested, and so we litigate that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know their retainer is pretty much 
drained. Mm -hmm. But their case is ongoing, but the other issues aren't hotly contested. Mm -hmm. And it's very well known in California, divorce takes forever, unfortunately, mm -hmm. even under the best of circumstances. So for some of those clients, what I've been able to do is, you know, I, I, I very carefully draft my retainer agreement mm -hmm. to protect myself from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. But I've been able to have people who will say, okay, hey, there's the calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in, in the middle of it and nothing's really going on in the case. Mm -hmm. You might have a status conference in San Diego, they're called family resolution conferences, but case management conferences for a regular civil case, you're only going in front of the judge to say what is or is not happening in the case. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're not gonna be in court as an attorney for more than an hour and a half on that type of hearing. So in those cases where there's not a lot going on and the client's already paid you know, a sizable retainer, I'll allow them to make payments to, to continue to build up their retainer. Yes. And do you a lot do that of from the outset as well, like it's like kind of a, a monthly replenishment. So it's not going down to zero and then racking up a big bill. Correct. It's like you're you're establishing a budget early on. Correct. So that it's it's keeping pace with what you're doing. And I've done that on a case by case basis to mm -hmm. answer your question, to where it's like, you know, maybe the person can afford to pay me five hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. or four hundred, right? Mm -hmm. And I just you know I'm very careful that I'm not. Putting myself over, right, mm -hmm. over more than maybe an hour outstanding billables. Mm -hmm. But I found that if, if a client has you know, things going on or their case is yet to be resolved, they'll pay you. Yes. You know, 99 out of 100 times, they'll pay you. Mm -hmm. Or you have to be careful as running up you know, a $1,000 invoice or a $2,000 invoice, finishing a big you know, matter for a client. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get paid on that money. Yes. So, so I've been able to find that you know happy medium, and on a case by case basis, I do have to be careful and look at it and make sure. Okay, hey, does this person at least have five hundred dollars in their retainer account in mm -hmm. case an emergency court hearing is scheduled? Yes. You know? And do they have regular income coming in? And right. because it's finding that balance, right? Because obviously, if you have very less time that they can pay something off, you have to be maybe like draw a little bit stronger boundary exactly. as far as like what they, what you need to come up with and what you can do. Because you kind of have to assume, like, well, probably if, if I finish this case and I have a big outstanding receivable, my chances of collecting on that are much are quite low. About zero. But <laughs> zero. Okay. Let's just assume it's zero, right? So you don't want that. We don't want to be in that position. But it still gives you a lot of room that I think a lot of attorneys don't take into consideration. Is like, hey, you know, like you don't have to have all the money right now as long as they're able to make payments over time as the case progresses. Right. And, right? and that's the pay as you go type of exactly. thing. Exactly. Like keeping that. That, that budget you know level. And that's a perfect way to put it in the pay-as-you-go statement because what I oftentimes tell clients is all I ask is that you have enough money in the pot in your trust account to cover my minimum anticipated work if I'm going to continue to help you out. Yes. And so I've, you know, I've been able to do that even in full-blown full representation mm -hmm. cases. Yeah. And sometimes, have you seen, have you been able to be flexible on what the upfront will be when you're doing full representation um, to some degree? Or is it, is, 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 does it have to be at a certain point to make sure you're floating the minimum? To, to a certain degree, I do have to be careful. In cases on... where there are no children, mm -hmm. sometimes I can be a little more flexible on the initial retainer mm -hmm. because I know, okay. If mm -hmm. this person doesn't have any pressing issues that require emergency court hearings yes. or immediate motion Which is filings. a lot of work up front. Right. right? Yeah. Because a lot of times, it's, a lot of cases right. are front loaded. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if it's not if if it's not that type of issue, I can you know I can take much lower retainers. Mm -hmm. Even you know sometimes for full representation, like fifteen hundred mm -hmm. plus the court filing fees. Right. And you know a lot of attorneys won't even offer that, mm -hmm. but you know. But it's, you know, I do have to be careful. It's, you know, kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, you, you have to, to gauge the prospective client, how reasonable are they, mm -hmm. but, you know, not to go into that, you know, that arena too much. But Well, yeah, but because it's, if it's people option. can't afford more than that, then they could go the four-representation route. If they can't, then this is where these unbundled options start to fit right. in, where you can limit the scope of your involvement to limit the amount of time so you can suit that budget. Exactly. And then do things you know, as needed, as they can afford. And I've done that a lot in cases where I've switched back and forth. Hmm. And I'll, I even, you know, I offer that to clients when their budget starts to run out. I say, you know, look, you know, we do have to have this honest conversation. Mm -hmm. If your budget's this tight, I really can't continue to be your attorney of record for court hearings, but... Hmm. If you you know have a little bit of a budget, you could hire me to 
give you guidance every uh-huh. step of the way. Okay. And again, you know, it's but it's so easy. It's just I already have the contracts. You know, mm-hmm. I have the limited scope representation contract, mm-hmm. the unbundled contract. I have the full representation contract. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take me that long. Yeah. So it's probably back and forth. It's probably a little bit more common that, that um, attorneys would go limited scope to full. Right. But it, it, it could go, you know, it's right. obviously could go back the other way too. If we're running into a point where you're providing more service than the client can afford on a monthly basis, then you might need to start limiting and the client might have to take on some of that, but you're not leaving right. them alone to drown. Like they, they still have that guidance, they still have help with exactly. you know, to know what to do so they're not being you know, left alone, which is really the, the, the main challenge of the problem in the United States, that people have no help. Right, right, and if they had a little bit of help, they have a much better shot at representing themselves effectively. Exactly, if you're there to provide them the guidance they need to, you know, follow the process right. properly. So it's yeah, and I'm still learning, you know, from trial and error, but that is a very effective service because why let that client go? Mm-hmm. They could still be a paying client, not as much, but they could still be a good paying client. Yeah, and you can really start to see how, like, at, at, like you said, within any budget. At the 250, 500,000, 1,500, 2,000, you've got a suite of options, and then on a monthly basis as you're working with them, is it falling low? Is it falling high? Okay, we can adjust accordingly. Right. We can drop, drop down where I can limit my, my involvement, and then your involvement steps up so that right. we're keeping at it monthly. If you're making the payments, I can do full, I can do full. Exactly. But if it, goes, you know, if it goes too low, then you can adjust. So it's just, you know, for wherever someone's at, there's services that can be provided. Exactly. And that's you know that that is what this country needs. I mean, that's what you know anyone out there that that is going you know without the help that they need. Uh, if these types of services are available to everyone in the United States, um, we probably wouldn't have the issues that we're having right now. I agree. There wouldn't be so many parents that are going uh, without rights to their kids or visitation or exactly. you know, fair custody arrangement uh, just from right. simple lack of guidance and care. Exactly. People wouldn't have to wait as long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and legal aid could do the work they're doing, and the judges wouldn't be overwhelmed by sports litigants that are shuffling through boxes of receipts and exactly. clogging up the court system. So, yeah, so. man, it's uh, it, uh, I, we're, you know, couldn't be more optimistic about the future, uh, especially working with attorneys like yourself that are you know innovating in this way and and, and applying this in the practice and, and serving a ton of people that would otherwise be going completely unrepresented as a result. So, exactly. um, much great appreciation for all the work you're doing. Thanks, Dave. Uh, it's a real privilege to work with attorneys like yourself that are committed to uh, service and contribution in this way. And I couldn't be happier about the fact that you know you're you're benefiting financially and building a really successful practice at the same time. Um, and when those two things can be combined, uh, there's no limit because it's completely sustainable. Exactly. Right? You're doing well. You're happy. You're making good money. You're building a practice, and your clients are happy because they're getting the help that they otherwise couldn't. Uh, it just seems like a winning equation for uh, for the future. Agreed. Yeah. So with that, uh, thanks again for everyone participating in this uh, podcast and uh, joining us in for this interview. We really appreciate the fact that you're also applying these practices into your practices. Um, We do see a very bright future in in the legal system. It's going to take some time to implement. It's not uh, something that you can start doing straight away. There's some training. There's some systems, as, as Lee has shared. But, you know... These are the nuts and bolts. This is the things that you know you, you can learn and apply. And we've got lots of great podcasts just like this one, including uh, with Lee and, and so many other attorneys that are outlining exactly how you can start to do this and do it very profitably and help a lot of people at the same result at the same time. So I'm just really excited that uh, we had an opportunity to, to have this sit down. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. So. Uh, really enjoyed the view. Good. And uh, for all of you listening, we'll certainly see you all in the next episode. Uh, please feel free to reach out to us. We want to hear your feedback. What did you learn from this episode? Send us an email to podcast at unbundledattorney.com. You can also find us on Facebook by just searching Unbundled Attorney. On Twitter, Unbundled, A-T-T-Y, Unbundled Attorney, A-T-T-Y. Send us a message, send us a note, share any resources you have. Um, This really is a community, and we appreciate your support and participation. So for now, we'll wrap things up, and we'll see you next time. For more information about how our exclusive Unbundled Leads can help you grow your practice, visit our website at unbundledattorney.com. You can watch each new episode of the podcast on the Unbundled Attorney YouTube channel, or if you prefer to listen, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available. And remember to leave us your review on iTunes. We read each and every one of them and really appreciate your support of the show. Once again, thanks for listening.